0: Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Roman Belov talking data science in Kotlin. Hey, Roman.
1: Hey. Hi hey, Hadi. How
0: are you doing? Thank you. How
1: are you?
0: I'm good. How is the weather in St. Petersburg?
1: Uh, actually, it's extremely warm for February. Yeah, same like... as
0: here. Oh, no, it's always warm here. But no, <laughs> it is actually a little bit warmer than, than it is. Um, i don 't know what 's going on with the world and and the weather have you heard anything like is there well
1: any... I, I speaking about data
0: <laughs> speaking about data. Uh,
1: I know for sure that uh, climate climate is changing uh, it's not actually re- relates to weather so that something um, if the, if the weather is warm, for example, in St. Petersburg now, it doesn't mean that the climate is changing. But climate is changing. And right. um, um, one professor said that when clim- climate is changing, the weather uh, is nervous. And uh, that's why we see so many strange things around the world. Phenomenons,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, but let's see. Uh, I don't know what will wipe us out first. If it's, if it's climate change or viruses or whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's, let's make this positive. Hey, so, uh, we're going to talk about data science, data science, that is data. And we're going to talk about data science in Kotlin, which is not generally known as a language for data science. So give us a little short background on who you are and uh, how you're related to data science.
1: Well, um, first, how I'm related to Kotlin. I joined joined the Kotlin team around four years ago, and I was in charge of um, Kotlin marketing for several years since the early milestones until the 1.3 release. And uh, at the same time, I had several uh, pet projects uh, in computer vision. And uh, that's why I got some experience in uh, um, data science and uh, recognition of uh, different objects on video and so on. And uh, I used C++ and Python, mostly for this task and at some point I understood that uh, Kotlin is just could be just amazing language for uh, data science as well and uh, around probably one year ago we started this project called Kotlin for data science and um, the main goal of this project is to Um, fight with some uh, common problems which we already have in uh, data science ecosystem now. Um, One of these problems is that uh, data science uh, is quite far from the actual production. I mean that there is kind of a gap between them. So you do some science first, but then you have a problem with uh, pushing uh, this research as uh, the results of this research to production. And usually you have to uh, rewrite everything from scratch uh, in some other language. Um, and I see Kotlin as a core technology which can connect both um, sites so like software development and uh, data
0: science, Thomas Neal has been doing a whole bunch of things around data science, which are essentially right. some libraries uh, for for manipulating data, numbers, and, and statistics, and and stuff. Now, your perspective and something that I saw in in your talk around at KotlinConf, and and something that you just briefly mentioned is you know, trying to bridge the gap between uh, people that do data science and and people that are software developers that delve into numbers. Are you both trying to take the same approach or are you looking at things from a different perspective? Well, uh,
1: as we actually haven't um, such a discussion with Thomas in person, but I've also seen all his videos and uh, read the code of his libraries. And uh, I believe that we understand uh, the place of Kotlin in data science um, absolutely the same, like the, like some technology which could bridge the gap. And um, I believe that... Uh, Thomas created really brilliant libraries for, first of all, for statistics uh, and uh, also for uh, money and computations. And um, uh, my focus mostly and focus of our team uh, now is on tooling. So part of the um, problem because uh, tooling matters. We know it in chat brains and uh, we are now um, trying to support the most popular technologies in uh, data science like Jupyter, Zeppelin and. Uh, but at the same time, of course, we have to think about libraries as well, and uh, we created a port of uh, Kotlin bindings for one of the most popular libraries in Python world, NumPy, and uh, also we're now um, creating a convenient and handy API for Spark, which is one of the most popular libraries for data uh, engineering and uh, building detail workflows and so on. So uh, I personally don't see any practical differences in uh, our approaches. Well,
0: I mean, let's, let's focus on the NumPy. It, f- first of all, it wasn't really around the practical approaches, but it was more around the audience if, if you were trying to target different audiences. But since you brought up the point about uh, NumPy, Right, mm-hmm. you said that you've created bindings for NumPy, right. uh, which essentially is the same way, I guess, that you would create. You know, if you're talking to Kotlin, if you're working with Kotlin native, you have this tool which is called C interop, which allows you to create bindings to C libraries. You're saying that you've essentially done the same for NumPy, right? And right. and we can get into how exactly you've done that in a second. Uh, because that's kind of interesting to see how, how that's being done. Uh, but wouldn't you say that, so you're taking the approach of saying, okay, I'm going to create bindings for a popular library such as NumPy, whereas Thomas is more kind of like, I'm going to write this from scratch in Kotlin. Not NumPy, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the kind of like the equivalent thing. So it is, in practical, it is a different approach, Right to try and solve the same problem.
1: Actually, it's a really hard trade-off between uh, these approaches. So uh, the problem with uh, wrappers, especially wrappers around um, uh, native libraries and NumPy is basically the library written in C, is that uh, you... If you use such a wrapper, then you have uh, native code in your system. And uh, it's a pain because, uh, you know, GVM works everywhere, but GVM with uh, native libraries, it's much harder to deploy uh, and uh, to evolve, support, and so on. And that's why GVM is so popular because it works everywhere. And um, that's why the pure Kotlin libraries is uh, really great uh, stuff in Kotlin ecosystem. At the same time, libraries which are written in, uh, that are already written, they have so many abilities that even if we start now and we'll uh, try to reproduce all this stuff in Kotlin, it will take us like uh, several years. And uh, that's why we are trying to find a kind of a balance between this both approaches. And uh, you, yeah.
0: s- you say that JVM with native bindings is an issue because it doesn't run everywhere.
1: Right? It, it, it could be run everywhere, but with much more friction.
0: Okay, so then two questions there. First of all, why Kotlin JVM and not Kotlin Native? And two, if you've taken the route of Kotlin JVM, how are you going to avoid that uh, friction for users?
1: Um, Well, the first question, why Kotlin JVM but not Kotlin Native? Uh, Basically, because there is no... Uh, REPL mode now for Kotlin native. Um, it's the, the mostly because of the com- uh, speed of uh, the compilation, compiler.
0: yeah, yeah, and REPL is fundamental in, in data science, I, I yeah, assume. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Right. So, REPL is uh, the most convenient way to do the exploratory data analysis.
0: And and um, sorry, just just stopping there for a second because I'm not really familiar with many concepts in data science. So uh, the Jupyter Notebooks, is that mm-hmm. kind of like a visual REPL as well? It's, it's kind of yeah, a absolutely. way for you to explore. It,
1: it, 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 it's absolutely like a REPL. Um, probably one of the main difference is that uh, usually in REPL, you execute line by line. Uh, in uh, Jupyter Notebooks, you execute cell by cell. So you can um, write several cells, uh, several uh, lines of code in one cell and execute all together. Uh, uh, but yeah, basically it's just uh, REPL which supports lots of different types of visualization. Okay. Uh, the most Probably the closest thing to uh, uh, Jupiter, which everybody knows, is kind of uh, Mathematica, Maple, uh, MATLAB, and so on. Okay. So all
0: this. Yeah, I'm familiar so, with MATLAB uh, and Mathematica. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying, uh, yeah, that uh, so essentially the, the Kotlin JVM or the not native is basically because of lack of proper REPL and uh, a proper compilation speed, right?
1: Yeah, we are actually talking about it with the native uh, team a lot. And uh, they understand our needs and they are working on the um, speed of compilation. And But um, it's not probably that basically REPL is not the primary focus at the moment.
0: Yeah, but speed of compilation should be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, at some point, we will be able to use Kotlin native with um, all this data stuff. Uh, And that's basically, that's why we are uh, trying to create Kotlin wrappers around native libraries. Because at some point, because now it works through GNI which is not the most beautiful technology in the world. But uh, at some point, we can easily migrate uh, these Kotlin APIs to Kotlin native uh, by uh, substituting this intermediate layer. And uh, at that moment, we will already have uh, the expertise in Kotlin API, the some major Kotlin API around this library and so on. So uh, I think that Kotlin native could be much better interoperable with Python world because basically they both native uh, languages like because all these Python libraries mostly are written in C and many of them has C API and uh, and also they have a really similar Um, memory models with uh, reference counting and so on. So it would be much easier to uh, create Kotlin native wrappers around NumPy, for example. And actually, there are some experiments around it. But at the current moment, our choice is Kotlin GVM for data science.
0: Fair to say, then, that's because, I mean, this was one of the concerns I had, is, okay, so you are not using Kotlin native because of compilation speed, so you're doing all of this work around Kotlin JVM. But would it be accurate to say that the work that you're doing Around Kotlin JVM, essentially, once you get what you need from the Kotlin native team in terms of compiler speed, etc., all of that effort won't be wasted. That you could essentially just now say, "Okay, now we're targeting Kotlin native."
1: It will be uh, Kotlin native wouldn't be a single targeted; it would be a multi-platform approach. Then,
0: okay, which so is goes.
1: Well, multi-platform libraries which can work with gvm for example uh in uh because most of data engineer uh, engineering uh, pipelines are on gvm and the whole uh ecosystem around big data is also on gvm so uh yeah definitely it won't be wasted
0: <laughs> yeah which was the next question is like you know ultimately you want to try and make i mean ultimately you don't want to try and make but given that kotlin targets multiple platforms why not do this as well right and and it seems that this is the direction that you're going so the other aspect that you were talking about was was tooling uh, does jupyter notebooks fall under the category of tooling i assume mm uh-huh. yeah so where are we there i mean what what for someone that is um what someone that is not familiar entirely with jupyter notebooks uh, like myself I know that you've said it's kind of like a it's kind of like a MATLAB or an advanced REPL, but what what essentially that is is it, would it be fair to say because I, I think I played with it recently uh when you were showing me some example, but it's kind of like a web page where you can essentially just write some uh, Kotlin code and then have that execute and display the results in graphs, etc., right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and-
1: absolutely. So, and and internally, and it's, it's very important to understand that it consists of two different parts: like backend with uh, ex- uh, with a kernel, which can execute uh, pieces of uh, code, and uh, front end, which uh, is basically yeah a web page which presents the result.
0: And that technology is originated in the python world yes and the back end is written in what c uh
1: the back end of jupyter written in uh, there are different the uh, c and python as far as i remember okay there are quite a lot of in python
0: okay and so how are you porting that over to to kotlin have you actually implemented a new version of it or again are you trying to Reuse what's existing no,
1: there is a kind of um, let's call it plugin API for, for it so there is uh, some protocol for messaging uh, and uh, when you type something on a front end and then click execute, it uh, the code will be sent by this protocol to kernel and there are lots of different kernels for Jupyter. There's a MATLAB kernel, there is Scala kernel, there is a IPython's kernel, which was the original one, and now there is a Kotlin kernel as well.
0: And now someone can essentially just basically use Jupyter Notebooks, uh, write Kotlin code, yeah, absolutely.
1: and get results.
0: So,
1: yeah, and for uh, getting this kernel, you can... Uh, Take it either from uh, PyPI, which is PIP uh, in Python, or Conda, which is uh, also a package manager, which is hugely popular among data scientists. And uh, then it will automatically install everything you need. And then you can just uh, write code and code in Jupyter. And that's it. It's very easy to start with
0: cool and this is available right now for people to play with right
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: and we should uh, link to the to to the where people can download that in the show notes but one aspect of course that i i've often asked uh, thomas as well uh, when when we've discussed data science is the the dsl faci- uh, f- facilities of uh, sorry the dsl abilities of kotlin and the fact that you can try and make kotlin look less uh, m- like a programming language and more kind of like um natural language so to speak i know that's that's somewhat of a far fetch because it's not going to be complete like no natural language that i know has curly braces in it but nonetheless i think we both know what what i mean right so does that does that have you done anything with that when it comes to Jupyter Notebooks? Or like, do you provide some kind of DSL or you just basically, it's just simple Kotlin constructs that people have to work with?
1: Well, uh, speaking about language capabilities, um, the first thing that I'd like to discuss here is um, typing system first. Because uh, Kotlin is a statically typed programming language, and um, and we all love it. Uh, usually, uh, as software development uh, developers, we love statically typed languages because they give us ability to write uh, big systems and have proper tooling. But when uh, it comes to data science and especially REPL experience, everything is a bit different because um, in REPL mode, you have a kind of a combined compile and runtime because you run, then you compile the next part of the code, then you run this part of the code and so on. And um, dynamically typed languages like Python, are much more convenient in such experience because they can uh, use the data, the underlying uh, objects to actually uh, add some... Um, so you you, you can um, actually use some constructions in code which um, couldn't be possible in statically typed language because in statically typed language you can't assume that the data is of some particular type. So, um, and that's why the first thing which we create in Kotlin now uh, for data, specifically for data science, it's kind of a data, it's kind of a type providers. So for, for example, let's say you... Um,
0: yeah, could you um, maybe explain what that is to, because I'm sure yeah, that there's so, people not familiar with it.
1: Yeah, so let's say we have uh, some um, JSON. And uh, this JSON has a a big hierarchical structure. And to read this JSON in memory, you need to somehow reflect this structure in, in your code. Otherwise, you will have uh, the object with uh, lots of uh, maps, uh, and you will need to extract the data by uh, accessing it by labels, which are stored in strings, which is not convenient. So in that case, now in Kotlin, for example, without type providers, you have to um, create a class with lots of fields and uh, uh, sub.
0: Um, all the hierarchies of those you know nested classes, not nested all the hierarchies of the different types that the, the, yeah, the absolutely. class has yeah so
1: but at the same time it would be you already have this JSON so it would be great to create this class on the fly when you got this object yeah and in REPL mode you can do it and um, we created a system of hooks which uh, can trigger on some types and, ra- and um, run some code generation to uh, generate code which will be executed on this hook uh, and will wrap the, this object and provide the class which is corresponding to data. And it's extremely uh, expressive for, um, especially in data science, because one of the main concepts in data science is data frame. Basically, data frame is just a table with uh, columns, and each column has um, its name. But it's uh, it's a d- uh, dynamic structure, and uh, That's why it's really hard to create a convenient Kotlin API for generalized data frame. But at the same time, with a uh, mechanism of type providers, you can generate a new type for every new um, data frame frame you have in memory. And um, at this point, I have to prize Kotlin for lots of Uh, Things we have like um, extension properties, extension functions, and so on, which gives us ability to uh, simplify this uh, code generation process uh, significantly.
0: Are you using the compiler plugin at all for that? Uh, At
1: the moment, no. It's not a compiler plugin because we're in REPL mode. So we can just... uh, run some additional code uh, between uh, the uh, after the cell execution right the cool thing that when we got this uh, specifically created uh, class for some data this class will be uh, can be um, could be used really like the standard coding class uh, with standard library with lots of Convenient stuff we uh, love uh, in Kotlin. Uh, And what is more important, it's still statically typed language with cool tooling, with auto-completion, with uh, lots of different um, uh, stuff like, uh, for example, data cells. We can create statically typed data cells for such objects. And we did it. And uh, now I'm gonna uh, answer your original question regarding DSS. We created DSL API for um, data frames based on amazing uh, library by Holger Krangle uh, called um, Oh Holger Holger Brandel called Krangle, uh, and this, uh, I'm
0: sure he won't mind that you forgot you you confused his surname with the <laughs> library <laughs> name, and. Um,
1: Based on this, uh, Krangle library, we created a Krangle typed library with uh, type providers uh, and DSLs. And uh, it, the experience was working, it, it's not yet released. We are going to release it fairly soon, probably in the upcoming months. But the experience is just amazing because it's like it's less verbose, even less verbose uh, than, um uh, Python um, library called Pandas, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, much more strictly typed, and you can uh, you can see lots of uh, errors like in compile time. You see um, good auto completion at any point, and so on. By the way, we created a proper completion right in uh, uh, Jupyter Notebooks, uh, which, is, which is cool <laughs> because uh, Jupyter Notebook are uh, actually a JavaScript uh, platform, uh, like v- web platform, and uh, you can uh, create uh, extensions for it easily on a on front end, which is really great, and that's why Jupyter Notebooks are so cool because lots of people write extensions for them.
0: And what's next for you in terms of well, you, I mean, and you and, and the project, project itself? Like uh, when when is it going to be released? What is on the roadmap?
1: We are constantly improving Jupyter experience. So the next step will be releasing uh, completion um, on the flight, Uh, compilation uh, checking and uh, some um, other stuff. Also, we are going to finalize this mechanism of uh, code generation and uh, generalize it and uh, make other libraries not only Krangle, but Lots of other stuff, for example, Clarkson or for JSON, um, or what's next? Um, actually, there are quite a lot of different libraries which can benefit from this code generation approach. And um, at the same time, we are working on the production side of the data science like data engineering spark and uh, vitali kudabakshov now works on uh, kotlin api for spark and um, uh, hopefully it also will be released on summer but there still the core thing now for us is a community because um, obviously we can't create all the necessary libraries on our own. Only community can do it. And uh, we hope to spread the word about the capabilities we have now in coding for data science and inspire other people to jump into this wonderful game and uh, write um, and probably write or port some other libraries um, to Kotlin.
0: And talking about the community and getting involved, how will people get involved? Like, you know, if I'm, let's say I listen to this podcast, how -hmm. do I know, like, where do I download the the Jupyter Notebooks, uh, Kotlin support for Jupyter Notebooks, or these things that you're doing? Because, you know, going to the Kotlin Lang website, I don't feel like, we're really highlighting this, right?
1: Well, if you uh, open uh, KotlinLang.org, uh, there will be data science like in the first sentence. And, uh,
0: and that goes to the data science overview. And from there, you can see the Jupyter kernel. Excellent. So this is recent, right? This hasn't been up. Uh, Yeah, it's
1: it's basically the best entry point for uh, trying all this stuff. And uh, there's also a short Alice, which is kotlin.in/ds.
0: Okay, but yeah, so essentially folks going to kotlinlang.org, learn, and then we've got Kotlin for server-side, for Android, for JavaScript, for native, and now there's a new one that is Kotlin for data science, and that provides essentially a summary of a lot of the things that we've been speaking about and how to proceed next very cool
1: cool thank you jade
0: yeah yeah thank you for coming on and uh looks exciting what you're doing and uh eager to learn more about it so uh until next time